So, Jay, before we get into it, are you all prepared? You got your top five? Yes, and they are in order. That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> From worst to best, not alphabetically. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> You've seen more than five films, haven't you? We, we know that already. Yes. Yeah. Me? Oh, you're doing it, are you? Right. No, 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 you do it if you want. <laughs> I want Simon to do it. Yeah, I do as well, actually. No, because you, you know what happens inside, does it? He'll, he'll, he'll really build it up and then it, he'll say 10 words and then go, isn't that right, Ross? And just calm <laughs> it off immediately. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the Simon and Ross show. Isn't that right, Ross? <laughs> It's the Simon and Ross show now. <laughs> what did I say? The Simon and Ross show. All right, okay. It's more of a podcast. Than a uh, yeah, yeah, it's more of a podcast. Okay, right. <laughs> See, online. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Simon and Ross podcast show. <laughs> Hit it. Uh, so I, I I'm jo- joined as always by my uh, a, a friend thing, uh, Ross over there. Are you all right, Ross? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, can listen to you fuck this up again. How hard can it? Forty episodes. <laughs> it's about forty-four now, isn't it? <laughs> right, I'll, I'll do this one properly. Right, okay, ready. Hello and welcome back to the Simon and Ross podcast. Um, joined as always by my friend and colleague, uh, Ross Podcast. <laughs> and that's how what you've done there is literally take word for word exactly what I say. <laughs> it works for you. Joined as always by my friend and colleague. <laughs> From across the Pennines, I forgot about that. Yeah, it does. So here we are for another a special guest, aren't we, Ross? We are indeed. Joined by our good friend, Mr. Gage Davis. Gage Davis. Hello. <laughs> All right, Gage. Um, so quite look, quite look forward to this one, aren't you, aren't you Ross? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Gage has been itching to come on since like before we recorded the first episode, I think. Have you? I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't realize we had a queue. Yeah. <laughs> I've wanted to be on since you were doing it first time. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to be on since 2016. Yeah. yeah. When we're, that is a waiting list. When we were recording in a basement with beer and chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's good. So yeah, uh, Gage is into films uh, as we are, so it should be uh, quite entertaining. I, I just want to say a, a quick note at the start when I first, my sort of first introduction to Gage was, was through the channels of work. <laughs> and uh, and I was flicking through some CVs and and the name I've, I've you, you're the only gauge I've ever known. I've never even heard of another gauge. And and when I first saw the name, um, I, I, the, the reason I actually called you was because I thought you sounded like a, a really cool like detective. <laughs> I was like, Gage, you hit the nail on the case. <laughs> I tell you who we need. <laughs> we need Gage Davis on this case. <laughs> It's kind of like the, um, you know, in the Boondock Saints when they call on Billy Connolly and he says, we need 
the Duke. And you're going, El Duce. That's how I feel about your name, Gage. Hear it a lot. I got told it's a good Bond villain name as well. I think it's more of a hero's name than a villain's name. Nah, that's villain. what I thought. Villain. No, Gage Davis. That's like that's like um, what's the well? That's like Duke Kaboom. You know, Toy Story. And I'd I'd say maybe at first you think he's a good guy, and then you realise that he's double crossed you. Ah, so right, it's more, right like, more, like, more like a Kaiser Soze. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Walks, right. away, with the, walks away with the limp. No, that was Willy Wonka. <laughs> okay. Who could also be construed to be a good or a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, letting all his children go around his chocolate factory is not good. Anyway, so uh, we'll play the jingle and then we'll start the show. See you in a bit. Bye then. We're here with Gage. You okay, Gage? I'm good. How are you? That's fine. All good. All good. So have you got um you got your list ready? It's all there. Yep, eyes on it. And you've got you've got uh some clues so we can guess them as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are you just winging this? Right, okay, that's fine. <clears throat> Gage, I think you need to sort of tell us a bit about um because you're quite heavily involved in film, more so than any other other guest that's been on. So you, you're actually more clued up as to the the inner machinations of cinema, I would say, than anybody than any guest we've ever had on. So for your listeners, don't take this lightly. Gage is actually incredibly clear. I mean, you're, you're Peterborough's answer to Peter Jackson, I've heard. That's what I'm going for with the look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and Peterborough's Peter Jackson, there's a, there's a ring to that, isn't there? Peterborough Jackson, that's my <laughs> stage name. <laughs> so what well, do you do? Where's, where's, your love from, where's your love for film come from? That would give away my best film, wouldn't it? No, just, just <laughs> tell, tell us about, like, you know. Uh, pretty much, I just got obsessed with a film that's on the list. Right, I okay. watched it on repeat and then wanted to know everything about it and then it just trinkled. And then... What, what, what did? Well, it did a while. My love. <laughs> <laughs> and then and is that your number one that you're talking about yeah right right okay and then i kind of just uh didn't know what i wanted to do so just follow followed the film you know yeah regretted it ever since <laughs> are you ready gage who are you where are you why are you when are you how are you what is you who are you? Who are you? Where are you? Why are you? When are you? How are you? What is you? Say what is you? Who are you? Where are you? Why are you? When are you? How are you? What is you? I say what is you? Who are you? Where are you? Why are you? When are you? How are you? What is you? I say what is you? I wonder how long it's going to be before people realise that the laugh at the end of that jingle is part of the jingle. Because <laughs> I think, I reckon this will be fucking hell, Si laughs at the end of that every time. Like, never... It's well, equally the... as funny every week. <laughs> well, um, you can't quite hear as well. There's a, the, um, the, the last time, the last bit of vocal that I did was the really screechy high voice. And I was going, tell me what is you? And then I finished it, turned around, and Emily was stood in my doorway, and, she was, and you can just hear her say, I'm moving out. 
<laughs> you she can't quite hear it. Clearly doesn't know an artist when she sees one. Exactly, that's it. The same same thing happened to Da Vinci. Yeah. Oh, it might have been Tom Hanks, I can't remember. So Tom Hanks. <laughs> the Da Vinci code. Uh, so Gage, answer the questions, please. I'm Gage. Correct. Um a, a guy. Uh, uh, Is that correct? Uh, I'm a human male. Is that what 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 questions that answering? <laughs> what are you? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you? All right, okay. Uh, the, the, I'm was... in Peterborough. Okay, where? That's fine. That's good. Yep. Yeah. How? I was just focusing on the Windows Vista animation. I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm great. <laughs> um, when are you? Now. Good. And what is you? A, a, a film nerd. <laughs> He is a film nerd. And finally, why are you? Midlife crisis. <laughs> At the age of... How old are you? <laughs> 25. So, so you're, you're not making it past 50? Plans oh. about 49 and a bit. Yeah. Like, like, like all the greatest film nerds. <laughs> I, I think for rock stars, it's 27. And for film nerds, it's about 49. True. Oh, that's good. So, so how did you find making your, your top five list gauge? I know you had obviously had your number one, uh, but was the the rest of them a little bit tricky? Um, tricky to count. Yeah, I had like eleven when I just wrote down ones that come to my head. <laughs> that's fine. That's what we want. And so then, I, so I'm guessing yeah. that means you got uh, quite a few like rejects that didn't quite make it. Then, nah, cut that down too. I thought you'd want to get rid of me. <laughs> Okay, so uh, did you want to give us a give us a, a flavour of some of your rejects, just as so we we know which way we're heading? I lied. I've still got them on here. All right, I'll just okay. list about quick time. You ready? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what well, I love is that is that the get our guests are so much more prepared than we are. Than you are. I never see you looking at the screen with pre-prepared lists. <laughs> I see you frantically scribbling things. For the <laughs> That's not preparation. <laughs> What that's, do you mean? That's, that's pure, not that's, that's not pure, frantic. That's, that's not just, frantic. That's just reacting. That. <laughs> so this part, you just want to, you just want the tiles. Or um, a clue? If, if you could give us, if you've got clues, then give us clues. But if you just got the title, then just give us the title. I got a clue for one that was just there to like because I, I wanted to see if you'd guess it. Okay, go on then. Quentin Tarantino's in it, but he did from direct dust till, it from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, our next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I got that before Simon, and that's one of his favorites. It's because I, I was being polite because I noticed that you were about to speak, but yeah, yeah, that's one. I kind of just I told myself I wouldn't pick a Tarantino film as my top five because I didn't want Cy to get annoyed by the cinema trip we had. <laughs> so I wanted to bring up his name, but not say one of his films were my top five. <laughs> I should pr- probably explain that. I, we, we went to see uh, Once Upon a Time in um, uh, Hollywood. 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 And I'd, I'd gone on a bit of a Quentin Tarantino film up to the day I'd gone. I'd, every night I watched another Quentin Tarantino film. So I'd literally watched all of his films in a row. And then we went to see uh, that one. And uh, it was one of the most disappointing <laughs> times of my entire I've life. still never seen it. it it's it's a tricky one it's a tricky one you, you do need a, a history degree in 60s 
uh, 60s, 70s uh, film. Made I spent in the next two weeks at work being verbally abused for telling him to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see it anyway, so I didn't hold you against it, hold it against you, but um, you really, really do need to know about the, the Manson murders and you need to know who the people are for any of it to make much sense. Yeah, to appreciate it. Yeah. Or you watch it with nothing, then read a book on Manson and then yep. watch it again. Which is what I did. Which is what I did. I read two books and watched two documentaries about him before I watched it again. So is it is it heavily themed on uh, Charles Manson? No, no, but it is. So yes. No. About the st- it's kind of the situation, but not yeah. him himself. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, as somebody who's never seen it, would you say, right, Ross, watch these documentaries first, then watch it? Yeah. Or watch it just so I can see if you're as uh, <laughs> feeble as size. Feet. <laughs> I'd, I'd just be, I'd been looking forward to it so much, and it, it was. I'm led to believe it's not as accessible. Like it's a bit like um, Tenet. You know, Nolan's newest film is like it's not quite as accessible as, as the others, and you've got to have a bit of. Uh, you might have to have a little bit more about you to uh, fully appreciate it. Yeah, Poten- you, potentially. You've got to enjoy dialogue. Well, the thing is, Hateful Eight was very much like that. Uh, but it, but you just didn't need to have uh, any prior knowledge of anything. You, you didn't need to know about cowboys. You didn't need no, to know. But it helps. Like, it, I mean, it helps obviously. But... They're cowboys. You, you've yeah. got to be able to identify one. <laughs> well, but that's it. The whereas the whole sort of the last, let's say, half an hour, it's really important that you know what did happen, so you know what didn't happen it, within the film. The point of knowing who he sent to do the stuff as well. Yeah. So not just him. Yeah. So and once you know that, it's actually a really clever film the way he's done it. Um, it's uh, the closest I could say would be to structure-wise would be Inglorious Bastards, um, because everything is factual, 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 and then just goes and goes on a, a massive tangent. But you kind of got to go with it. Right. I'll watch yeah. it. It's quite quite long, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's. I've not, I've not had any complaints. That's about six hours, <laughs> and we're in. <laughs> Pull the suits and let's float down to Dick Joke Island. Um, but very thin. Now we've started. <laughs> um, so now uh, it's uh, about three, three hours, three and a bit hours, something like that. Yeah, it's long, long. Yeah, thank you. What about the film? <laughs> Film's quite girthy. <laughs> in in plot, in depth. <laughs> um, but definitely worth seeing. Definitely. Okay. Um, for for the soundtrack alone, the soundtrack's really good. Yeah. Um, as as most of his films are, and it's filmed really well. It's quite beautifully filmed. The everyone acts in it really good. Al Pacino's in it. Is he? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, every every boxes ticked all over the place it's just Spe- speaking of al pacino you just jog my memory there um, <gasps> a couple of couple of weeks <gasps> ago uh my dad called me and he's recently been started using our amazon prime uh, yeah. amazon video and he was like um oh on netflix and he, he was like ross have you um what's that film uh, have you seen um and he started describing this film and i was like you're talking about the irishman he was like yeah that's it yeah yeah I was like, yeah, I fucking love it. Like Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Stephen Graham, Joe Pesci. It, it, it's 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 like the Scorsese fans 
wet dream. It's the film that had to be made. Sort of like his greatest hits. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Scorsese <laughs> compendium. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, you know, big it up. Like, yeah, yeah, watch it, Dad. Honestly, it's it's long, but you know, um, just you know, it's not an action film. It's a gangster film, and it's quite an old school style gangster film. He was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. Anyways, he called me up a few days later. He said, yeah, I really enjoyed that, Ross. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. And then he started describing it to me, and I thought, I don't fucking remember any of this. Anyways, he he, he wanted he wanted to watch and went on to watch the gentleman. <laughs> 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 so we were talking about completely different different films like he's never watched the irishman i don't know if he's got a desire to watch the irishman <laughs> i watched the gentleman a few weeks ago very very mediocre i think it looks quite fun but it looks it almost looks like a it's like a lock stock afterthought you know yeah and it's um you've seen the best bits in the trailer it's one of them films yeah, Unfo- yeah. unfortunately there you go yeah Anyway, Gage, give, uh, have you got some more of your, off your list? Uh, yeah. Shutter Island, seven. Ooh. 2001 A Space Odyssey, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Mm. Boyhood. Some good films in there. All, all good. Yeah, they're, they're all my favourite, but be about 10-hour podcast if I did my top 10. <laughs> That's why we narrowed it down to top five. <laughs> um, so... So Shutter Island, then, is that your favourite Scorsese film? Yeah, probably. Fucking hell. Right, I'm off. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> I just like, uh, for me, most of my tops, actually, no, they don't. Psychological. The ones, right? Yeah, the ones that nearly made it are all like psychological plots yeah. or twists. I did, yeah. a, I, did a, I did a paper on Shutter Island when I was at university. Um, About how bad it was or...? No, no, it, it's, I, I, there's, there's not a Scorsese film I don't like. Um, a lot of my favourite films are Martin Scorsese films, and Shutter Island wouldn't wouldn't be on there purely because of not because of how bad it is, but just how much more I love his earlier films, like in the '90s, and he, and even you know going back to like the '70s with the Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and that. You know, I, I, I love all of them, but um, Shutter Island's good, and I've seen it a lot of times. Um, and I read the book, the Dennis Lahaney book. If you, have you ever, if you, have you ever read it? It's pretty much like, you know, like sometimes it's like uh, you get more out of the book than you would. Like Lord of the Rings, for example. Like I've rewatched the, re-watched the trilogy again recently. And um, it's made me want to go back and read the books again. I read the books years ago, but there's all sorts in the books that you don't get in the films. Like Game of Thrones. But Shutter Island is pretty much like play by play, exactly as it is on screen as it is in the book. So there's no point in me reading it. Well, if it's one Save of your favorite, if, it, if, it, if it's up there, one of your favorite, do you read? Do you like to read? Yeah. But if I read it, it and then at the end I go, could have got through that in an hour and a half film, I'll be pretty it's disappointed. Not big, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a big book, but it doesn't have any pictures in it. <laughs> it's not a pop, it's not, it's not like a, it hasn't got any pop up Ben Kingsley's. Has <laughs> it got a little hole in it where you can rub and it's like felt and you know that you're in the island or something? <laughs> My first Shutter Island book. <clears throat> it's like a scratch and sniff so like you can smell the ocean and then you can smell like the inside of this asylum it just smells a bit like shit um and then you've got you've got essence of um i think ben kingsley must have been wearing links africa because you can smell that a bit when he's in there as well nice no, java voodoo <laughs> um, I was, I, martin scorsese i, I rem- i've just remembered have you ever seen after hours 
Martin Scorsese? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Is number five. Fact number one. The director found the English title for this film while listening to a song by Brian Ferry. Brian Ferry of Roxy Music. I have no clue. I just thought Cy might know or yeah. you might know. Uh, and, and of Brian Ferry fame. Um, yeah. And it has the same title. Uh, now the part is over. I was thinking more, uh, let's get together. Come on, oh, come, come on, on, let's get together. Now we made a vow. And it <laughs> On the sounds of it, the lyrics could fit. At some point, you got to go like that. You me. I don't know the answer from that, so we're going to need more clues, Gage. That is the only clue I could come up with. I'm 90% sure you would never have heard of it. I have another fact. It took 15 months to film, which is incredibly long. But I'm pretty, I don't, I couldn't think of anything else that might help you guess. When was it released? 2000. Any, any famous actors in there? Uh, the cinematographer was Christopher Doyle, and he is the only English person involved. Pretty sure I didn't ask about famous cinematographers. <laughs> Yeah, but if, if I name, if I name the famous actors, you have no chance. Um, uh, Maggie Chung. Maggie Chung's in it. Tony Leung. Maggie Chung, Maggie Chung, Maggie Chung. What kind of film is it? What genre does it fall into? It is a ro- romance, a romance drama. So I'm guessing it's it's um, Chinese, Korean, Korean. Right, okay. The director is Wong Kar Wai. Oh, the thing is, I, I really like... I mean, some of my favourite films are Korean films. Um, but the Park Chan-wook films. So, you know, Lady Vengeance and Old Boy and Sympathy for Mr. Um, Mr. Vengeance, I think it's called something. And then you've got Battle Royale and... Um, it's not, not... No, it's not Infernal Affairs. No, that was um, earlier. Battle Royale was too late, wasn't it? Definitely not a romantic drama. Oh, oh yeah. There's, oh, I don't know. They get together at the end, don't they? Um, they survive. They don't get yeah. together. <laughs> come on, come on. Let's stick together. <laughs> uh, I was hoping you would get it from the music clue, to be honest. Uh, I, I, but it, it, no. what, what was the first music clue? It was Brian, it was, um, Brian Ferry. No, the party's over. <laughs> Song. One of the words in it is mood. In the song. And the title, which are apparently the same. My fact checker could be lying. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. Simon's Googling. I, I'm, I'm looking for Brian Ferry songs now. Because... I have uh, not fact check. It could be a lie. Oh. 
Brian I don't know this. I don't know this one. How'd you have Brian? <laughs> B-R-Y. Oh, yeah. That, that'll be it. <laughs> the clue is the director found the English title while listening to a song from a Brian Ferry CD with the same title. And it contains the word mood. And it's a romance, so the other word is obvious. Love, love is the mood. In the mood for love. Yeah. In the mood for love. Correct. It's a porno, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, but it's it could be. <laughs> so uh, I've never heard the Brian Ferry song or the film, unfortunately. Um, so go on. What, what's what's it about? What 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 happens in it? It's probably the most off film. It's just the way it's shot is next level. So it's not like one of those films I'd rewatch loads. Yeah, it's it's about two people who both have partners who live in separate apartments. Their partners are always going off to work, and. Um, this man and woman who it follows end up finding out that their partners are cheating. So they kind of with, come with, e- with each other? No, just generally. Oh, right, okay. While they're going on these work trips. So them two end up falling for each other. But because it's like a different culture, they don't want to stoop to that level. So the last like 45 minutes of the film is this fight between whether they try and work it out with their partner or whatever, and then it ends up being like a loss. It, there's no happy ending like English and American films. They they end up saying they're not going to be like their partners. They don't cheat. And the woman ends up going off and leaving the country. And then there's a few moments where they nearly coincide again, but don't actually cross paths. It's a very slow film, but it's just the way it's shot that made it so memorable for me. Well, Korean cinema, certainly like the, the films that I've watched and what I love about uh, Korean cinema is you can pretty much pause it at any point and it looks like a painting. Um, it's very artistic. It's very, very well thought out when it comes to uh, the cinematography and the and the mise-en-scene gauge, eh? Bit, bit of mise-en-scene, eh? Uh, stop it, stop ma- it, you're making me feel hungry. <coughs> Not miso soup. <laughs> um, and the... the um, the micro elements of the frames. See, I can get fucking, I can get down gauge on the nerdy film shit. Um, but basically, yeah, you can you can pause it. And, and, and Lady Vengeance was very much like this. And there was there's parts of Old Boy that were like that too. Where if you actually just Google image, if you, if you go on Google Images and type in, you know, Patch and Wook films, what you're greeted with is a, a, hundreds of fantastic pictures and imagery that are just stills from the film. Yeah. So it kind of what you're saying makes absolute sense to me because that's what I, one of the things I love about the, the Korean films. Yeah, that's that's like this film. Like they have scenes where the characters are just silhouettes for like 20 minutes, mm. and you've just got the characters as silhouettes, and then everything else is like this gorgeous red or purple. Yeah, and they're having a conversation, and like no sane person would be interested in watching it, but it's just gorgeous. So, do you find um, does it does does um, is it Kate your partner? Is it Kate? Yeah, yeah, Kate. Got oh, Katie. Does um, is she into it at the same level that you are? Uh, we she hates watching films with me. Yeah. Uh, we watch Netflix films. Yeah. I watch good films. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I could say it. <laughs> 
Yeah, see, see, there's there's so many times when Fatima would say, "Oh, it's a Ross type of film that." Yeah, same. Um, which basically means it's. I find it boring as fuck, but I'm sure there are elements that Ross is buzzing about. <laughs> yeah, if I tried to get her to watch Tenant, she'd probably dump me halfway through this film too. Did you ever watch? Did you watch? Speaking of Netflix, did you watch um, The Devil All the Time? No. Give Give that a watch because I I started watching it uh, at Fatima's parents and they all bailed except me after 20 minutes. And um, Fatima did continue to watch it with me, but she wasn't really that committed to it. And I absolutely loved it. And I was quite gripped by it. It was very character driven. Um, not a lot happens, really. It's uh, all yeah. It's all about what's going on between the... And there's some fantastic actors. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe. Is it Daniel? Is that Daniel? No, no, not Daniel uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, Tom Holland. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Robert Pattinson. Um, there, but Robert Pattinson plays like a, 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 um, a sex pest, but a priest. It's like a molester. Yeah, I watched anyway, the trailer. It looked really good. But it is really good. It is really good. And I if, kind of just... if, 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 if you're anything like, if you and Katie in films, anything like me and Fatima, then you'll really enjoy it because you'll recognise how good of a film it actually is under the narrative surface. And yeah. Katie, you'll fucking hate it and watch, I don't know. Yeah, I'll probably watch Sex it. in the City 2 again. I didn't want to go down too much of a sexist route. Like, <laughs> some, some girl film, you know. Speaking of Patterson, he's seen The Lighthouse. Yeah, loved it. Absolutely yeah, loved it. You did? Yeah, I loved it. All right, okay. We're leveling now. because uh, The slowest, greatest film. Yeah, it's like watching a stage show. Sorry, you sound like you haven't watched it. I, I've watched the first 10 minutes realized that it wasn't the right film for the mood I was in at that point and decided to save it for a, a pull, special, special pull, time. Pulled your pants back up, put the tissues <laughs> away and yeah. put track on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's one of those weird films. You've got to be in the right mood. Yeah. I, I It looked beautiful. I, even uh, just the, the, the initial sort of first five minutes where they just go into the lighthouse and going into the lighthouse and then the sort of sit in the lighthouse i'm gonna say lighthouse again um but you're just just those like 10 minutes or so i thought this deserves more of my attention than i'm gonna give it right now yeah so i decided to stop it and watch it another time i think the reason i loved it is because i watched it in the old school cinema in leeds in the high high park cinema yeah so you got like the net that comes out you got the actual like theater seats yeah and you're watching a four by three film it was sick yeah yeah oh yeah that would be a perfect setting actually Um, i watched it at home i probably would have turned it off halfway through and then watched it again later on well i I was i was waiting for it to come out um because i'd I'd been following uh the production of it and uh and it was when i was just starting to realize that robert pattinson was 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 sort of coming into his own as an actor and he was he was no longer going to be associated with shite essentially which is what he well, like was the best film he ever made <laughs> but the the actual the actual interaction and the scene but it's just, just i think they're the only two people in the entire film and it's just about the the breakdown in in communication and breakdown in uh I mean, they both just descend into madness, essentially. And the, Is, isn't the two, don't, don't two people leave the lighthouse at the beginning? I'm you don't right. remember that part. You only remember them two by yeah, the time yeah, you finish yeah. that. I think, yeah. bear, in it's mind, it's, bear in dark. mind, it's the only 10 minutes I've seen, but I seem to remember someone leaves as they come up. You can something. smell it. You can smell I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can. It's one of them. It's so... Um, also, how do you describe What were the words? It's like, like, like palpable. It's like... Um, 
these these two blokes who clearly like are forced together, and one of them is a old school, like he's been doing this for donkey's years, and the other one is there because he's got a bit of a past and wants to get away from it, and this is a place where he can just be on his own, and and they've both got completely different outlooks on life, and you know, Willem Dafoe plays this sort of patronizing guy who likes to see himself as a father figure and Robert Pattinson's not having any of it. And just the the um just the interactions between one another when they talk to each other. It's like watching a stage performance. And it, it, when I, I remember watching it thinking I I bet it was so much fun just filming this, just the two of them, you know. Just and screaming it, at each other. Yeah, I, I loved it. But yeah, you, you will like the devil all the time then. I think the more you talk, the more I'm thinking, yeah, you need to see that film. Yeah, I'll watch um, it. Yeah, was that was that your wait? Was that your number five? No, no, no. In the mood for love. How did we get onto the lighthouse? You? Oh, Netflix. <laughs> I didn't. Actually. We went to Netflix. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, crack, cracking film. Yeah, this the the in the mood for love. I'd say it's worth watching, but not if you value your time because you'll probably not enjoy it. So if say you were in lockdown and not able to to leave the house really, then it's probably yeah. a good time to watch it. Excellent. Yeah, watch it just for the looks. Yeah. But in terms of story, you might cry a little bit. I think I got like, a tear. You? you got a tear? Yeah, like like one. Well, that, because of how beautiful it was. Oh, that that means that me and Ross will be like like crying like mad for about three hours. Yeah, but I think Gage is implying that it wasn't the plot that made him cry. It was how beautiful it looked. <laughs> it's a bit of both. It's one of those films where part of your wish is it had the stereotypical American happy ending, but then you also love the fact it doesn't. So it's yeah. Ma- Ma- uh, Ma- Maggie Chung was in so many Jackie Chan films. Um, she played his girlfriend in, I think, all of the Police Story films, um, and Project A, I think, as well. She was in, so she she's she's been around for a, a while. Yeah, she's great in this. They had um, she had to wear forty eight dresses for all forty at the same scenes. time. All oh, right, they made her wear a different dress for every shot. Right. Purely because of how they like dress the scene with, if if the walls were red, they'll make her wear a green dress, just so it contrasted in this proper, appealing way. So so if they're both in this, so if it's the same scene, and it cuts, but the backdrop is different, is she in the same scene but in a different dress? No, they'd always make sure it like moved. Right. It's just passage of time, but it's like them two together. They're rarely together. So that's why it's the, the way it's shot is just proper trippy. It's hard to explain. If you just like typed in on Google in the mood for love and just went on images, you would see how they have like shots where they're in the same room, but they only show him in a mirror. So you've got her like sat on a bed and you only see him through a mirror looking at her. Proper like interesting. It's a bit like Bruce Wayne and Batman, isn't it? Never, they're never in the same room together, are they? But nobody realizes. Or Clark Kent and Superman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man and Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually looking for, in the mood for... Love. Love images. Let's have a look. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. There'll be a lot of red and green, probably. Yeah, it is. Mostly red and green. Yeah. It's like, if you look on, like, a Hue colour wheel, because I, like, got obsessed with the colours, if you look on the Hue colour wheel, they always made it so they were opposites. How, so, how one car, why? Wong Kar Wai, yeah, the director, yeah. Oh, it's it's yeah, the article is how Wong Kar Wai's in the mood for love did this. <laughs> I, I read it as his name was how Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, it does look, you can, you can see exactly what you mean. Uh, there's, there's loads of pictures where, yeah, he's in the mirror. She's, she's sat on the bed. And then yeah. when they are close together, it's just a silhouette. So you don't even know what's going on. Right. Okay. How did you first come across the film? Uh, part of my dissertation was about colors for uni. So I just started searching, literally just Googled best films for colors. And then found this. Once you got through all the uh, rainbow feature lengths. Yeah. Zippy. <laughs> there was some weird ones on there. What was yeah, your dissertation on? Uh, how colours in One cinematography... Nah. It was how uh, colours in cinematography can, like, um, manipulate emotions. So have you seen... Um, have you seen the um, Tres... Tre... Tre... Colour... Trekolor. Trekolor. Trekolor blue. Well, there's three of this. There's a few yeah. of them in there. All different colours. There's red, blue. Yellow, I think it is. Oh, white. It's white, isn't it? Yeah, white, blonde. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that, Gage? No. Just films that are one colour. How the hell did he do a dissertation on films about <laughs> colour and not come across that? <laughs> Just one colour the whole way through. No, each each film is based and filmed around a particular color and there's there's i think there's i think it's a, yeah it is it's the it's the trek color trilogy isn't it so there's blue white and red or rouge summit and blanc and uh, and each each film is shot in that particular backdrop so blue is largely blue red is largely red and white is largely white isn't it and it's about it's about it's evoking film. emotion through film uh, through color in film yeah probably should watch that <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm amazed that, that that didn't come up in your research. It's like you just settled for the Teletubbies and fucking and one kawaii. Orange, <laughs> green, red. Yeah, covered here. <laughs> now that I, I did like, uh, I don't even know. I think I did seven as well. I for, I forgot that time in my life. That was a that was a tough write. I'm trying to think of it would have been if you didn't use trek trek collars. Um, I'm trying to think of enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another film that makes strong use of colour. Moulin Rouge. <laughs> another French one. <laughs> I think the problem with my dissertation is I was trying to um, say it's all bull. Oh, right. Okay, so you were trying, trying to contradict to say, the theory. Yeah, I was trying to say how... Um, didn't put me on good side of lecturers, but I was pretty much trying to say that when we have to do like lecturers and we overanalyze all this fit these films, that the directors and cinematographers likely weren't thinking about anything. They weren't thinking, oh, we're going to use red curtains because in 12 years students will start talking about what they mean. They were just doing it because it looked nice at the time. I think that's bollocks. That's what my research <laughs> found because. Um, the films I was watching were like, yeah, it does make you feel that way. And then I did like a test where I got in the mood for love and I manually changed the colours in Photoshop and just sent them round to see what people thought. And in my questionnaires, it was always different depending on the colours, even though if it was the, exactly the same scene. Oh, okay. So you went into it to try and prove them wrong? Yeah. Uh, and then did tests that proved them right? Yep. Well done. Oh, so you were, so you were wrong then? I was wrong, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I, I know, I kind of know what you're saying, like, because um, I, 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 I didn't look at film in, in, you know, it wasn't until I went to college and I, and I started studying film and I had no idea, you know, that there's this whole world of, 
of how how directors and how cinematographers build a scene and and manipulate your feelings and do different things and at first I thought this has just got to be made up at the convenience of the lecturer for someone to talk about this like what the fuck is the back and seven was the first example where my, my, my lecturer at the time and this is an A-level film she said in the first 30 seconds of seven you can you know what the entire plot yeah. and it's it's as the camera is panning across the bedroom and she and, and she told us and she said, I'm not going to say it I'm just going to play the, the intro and you, and you can come back and tell me exactly what the film is all about. And she she obviously split the people who, who hadn't seen it. And at the time, I hadn't. And I watched this camera and I was like, you know, I'd only ever watched film purely as a, you know, normal sort of consumer, spectator, whatever. And I thought, what the fuck is she going on about? And then when she broke it down and said, well, if you look there, there's a, there's a, there's a chessboard on the bed. And there's black and white pieces. Black and white often connote, uh, denotes good and evil. And it's, it's, it's opposition. It's one person against another. That's what chess is about. So you know that it's going to be one person against another person. And chances are it's going to have a good versus evil type theme. There was um, part of the bedroom was like a neatly folded uniform. And then on one, one element on the other side of the bedroom, there was something slightly ski with. And she said, you know, you're going to have two characters here who are on the same side because it occupies the same space. One is very meticulous and organized, and the other one is a bit of a rough, bit of a rough and ready type character, which is the Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt type thing. And she broke it all down, and I thought, "Fucking hell, there's like a whole other world here that I was completely unaware of." And it actually really got me sort of into it. And then I went on, obviously, to university and studied film, and and um, but there was a part of me that thought, "This is bollocks." This, and there is a limit because there's the what you call the micro elements of a film which is exactly what we're talking about the physical things that you can see in a frame and what they mean and then there's what you call the macro elements of film which is the context in which the film is made so what time period what's the location what was going on in that place at that time in real world yeah these are all the macro elements of a film and the macro elements uh, sorry the micro elements is where you can get you can go as shallow or as deep as you would like yeah is this thing on? Are you still yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm listening, listening. That, um, I, it's it's one of those things that um, you you know sort of goes on, but you really you've kind of almost got to look for it to find those sort of things, isn't it? You'll yeah. never see that. You'll never watch a film in the same way again. No, I was the same way. In my first year, I was like, "This will bull." What they they're saying stuff that doesn't matter. And then when it was time for dissertation, whereas most people were just writing about something, I was like, "No, I actually want to treat it like a PhD, like I'm trying to work something out." Um, and then I managed to get like a, a question and answer from Roger Deakins, who surprisingly replied. And he was like, yeah, of course we think about it. Well, that's the main part of cinematography, to think about colours and how they're going to make people think. And he said like there's some of it, which is like now nah, people are just going over the top after it's made. But of course, a cinematographer isn't going to go, no, nah, I weren't thinking about that. They're just going to play on it. because They're like, makes me look smarter. <laughs> but that's the job, isn't it? Yeah. So and you're going to find, you know, depending on the type of film that you're watching, there'll be some that are more, have more focus on that than others. Like if you're going to watch fucking, I don't know, you know, Casper the Fr- it's a bad example, like uh, Bridget Jones or Love Actually or something, then you're probably not going to get the same sort of artistry in cinematography as what you would get in something like uh, One Cow Eyes in the Mood for Love. Yeah. yeah, because it's not it's not designed to be sort of you, you, it, it's not thought provoking. You're not asking the audience to think about something and pay attention to something. It's very passive in the way that it's put across. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. 
but then the people that don't hate don't think about that will just hate every film that involves it. Yeah, because they won't be looking for it. They, they won't know how. You've got but, to learn how to do it. Well, they won't. They won't notice it. They won't notice exactly. It. Well, you're naive to it. Yeah, that's you've, it. you've got to. You've got to. You know, and and actually, you know what? Fatima's got a really weird talent for sort of predicting things the way that a plot is going, and she she almost registers certain things that she's only subconsciously doing it. And she'll make these calls on films, and I'll be like, oh, I don't know, look, that's a bit fucking far out. Can't see it going that way, you know. And then an hour later, she's absolutely bang on. I'm like, how the bloody hell did you? And she'll be like, oh, I don't know. I just it's like an instinctive thing, and I I think she's just you know, it's like a natural sort of. I guess everybody engages with films in different ways, and um, I, I I I consciously have to try and switch off the analytical side of my brain just to enjoy the film more. Yeah, same. I think I've kind of learned to turn off for viewing number one and then I go yeah. back and watch it again and actually like zone out and yeah. Mm. I, th- I think also it's when I, when I went back and did my English, um, normally when you read a book, you just read the book, don't you? And half the time you, you're just wanting to plow through the pages to say that you finished it. But you know, we, we, they'll very often say, read the book and then read it again. And then, and then really read it the third time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I struggled the first time. And, and you know, you get to the second time, you think, oh, actually, I didn't spot. But then the third time, you're encouraged to make notes and things like that. And, you know, eventually you kind of, you realise how much you do sort of skip over books the first time you read them. Um, just to, just because you're so involved in the plot, you want the plot yeah, to carry on and everything bits. like that. And you miss the little bits. And it's not until you have to break it down and make notes and, you know, read like a page a night sort of thing um, that you really sort of analyse everything and it, you, you do miss so much it's like you say that if you're not looking for it you don't see it yeah and like you say if, if, you, if you're so involved in the plot yeah do you watch do you use subtitles gage uh if they're not english <laughs> see we, we use subtitles for absolutely everything <laughs> and it's for it's for the reason that simon just said is you get that second watch experience out of a film the first time you watch it using subtitles because you're not just you 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 get far more um you just you don't miss a thing you know you don't miss a thing and when you're looking at a screen and there's something going on and there's two people talking and you're kind of taking it all in and it's a bit of an assault on the senses it's easy to miss certain things when you've got subtitles in the amount of stuff you pick up on we we've just watched again we, we've just re-watched all the lords of the lord of the rings films and i've never seen all three of them back to back with subtitles and there were certain parts in it where I thought um, I've never actually f- acknowledged what was said there before, not properly. But now I've read it. It was a very different. It was the, probably the most I've enjoyed. What outside of going to the cinema and seeing it with my grandma when Lord of the Rings was brand new? I've seen it countless times. You know that was probably the most enjoyable time, second to the first time. See, I, I, I obviously this is no surprise, but we're probably going to do Lord of the Rings next uh, for our specials. So I watched Fellowship of the Rings last night with subtitles on ring sorry ring fellowship of the ring if okay. we're gonna do a podcast on it we gotta get the fucking titles right all right okay um which, this is why i'm not sure about doing it because there's so much to get right and wrong with lord of the Rings. Uh, the title uh, is the easy one <laughs> exactly i can't even get that right um I, and i found it did distract me but maybe that's because i'm not used to the subtitles being there oh you used subtitles did you yeah yeah um I, i'm gonna watch the two towers tonight but um I think I'm going to turn them off for this because I, I I did find myself staring at the at the words too much. You, know, you just got to learn. You just you just, I know. Fucking, you I just know. get used to it. 
when I used to watch all the Jackie Chan films and things like that, I, I did get used to flicking between the two. But I think I'm just so out of practice with it that I was I was staring at the words and I realised I, I wasn't watching much of the action. Um, so I think it, I think you just train yourself to to do it, don't you? Yeah. So when yeah. I watch a foreign film with subtitles, yeah, I don't get distracted. But when I watch an English film with subtitles, like when I've downloaded one legally and it has subtitles embedded in, yeah, I just get distracted from the actual film. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's in your mind. It's honestly, it's all in your mind because the, the, I got onto subtitles through watching foreign films, studying film, and obviously when you study film, you watch like you, you know you start watching, learning about the French New Wave and things like that, and you start watching Pedro Almodovar films and you know, obviously Spanish films and and um, German Expressionism and all that sort of stuff, and you, you all of a sudden you, you have to start using looking at subtitles, and then I actually found that I, I, we, I watched that much foreign cinema and got that used to subtitles, I had to have them on English ones. And now I wouldn't have it any other way. Like we put some, we, we, we don't use subtitles on live TV, although it is a laugh because when they're live. They're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really fucking exotic variations on normal phrases you see, <laughs> especially when you're watching something like Gordon Ramsay or something <laughs> and it comes up at the bottom, you're thinking that is fucking well off that. <laughs> some American person sat there doing these subtitles and they have not got a fucking clue what he's saying. Oh, very nice. It's not. It's good that I've had that before. It's go forklift. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm. We're currently doing dry February. Uh, you bet. What? Why? Well, it's short a month. Fail January. Short a month for a start. Because, because he wasn't sober from the 31st of December until the uh, way 31st back of January. Way back earlier than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much a dry. It's more of a, a sobering up. Yeah. Hangover. We'll kick in tomorrow. It'll be uh, nice. This is I, this is the first time I've had a. I, I, bear, I barely bloody drink now. The only the only time I ever have a whiskey is on on these. Yeah. Like every every once every two weeks or something. I'm the opposite. I just can't stop drinking. I don't think you ever used to drink, did you? He <laughs> <laughs> he'll try and persuade everyone to go for a pint, and then he'll order like half a coke, and then leave after twelve minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right, Gage? That is correct. <laughs> Next time on the Simon and Ross podcast. I can I can carry on. So it's a comedy <laughs> and a police officer walks into a building, goes upstairs, beats a guy and then throws him out a window. Still a comedy. Well, that happens in Ace Ventura, that's fine. Um, The police station, she ends up burning the police station because she thinks no one's in there, but a police officer's in there and he gets like third-degree burns across 70% of his body. Still a comedy. (laughs) 